0: i going to go ahead and dismiss our children uh, for Children's Church if they want to go ahead and meet their teachers in the back. You know, as we were meeting for prayer this morning, the Lord shared a word with us about um, being ready, the end times, and really getting into the word and knowing Him. And I believe the word that He shared with us this morning falls along those same lines. As we move closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, there is a need for the church to truly be the church. I'll tell you, guys, we have talked a long time as a church, not just as this church here, but we talk a lot about prayer, but we really don't pray. We talk a lot about obedience, but yet we fully don't surrender our lives to Him. We keep living for ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is trying to prune us and clarify and bring the type of order that he wants to see in our lives as the return of Jesus draws nearer. And uh, we need to hear his voice and respond to him. Amen? This morning, if you are uh, visiting with us, uh, we're in the middle of a series called the Golden Nuggets. Golden Nuggets from the epistles. And so basically from Romans Church, all the way through the Revelation, basically taking out some of those core passages of Scripture that have really uh, spoken to our lives and to our hearts, that have been kind of important passages of Scripture to us through the years. And uh, as I've shared, and I've gotten some input from some of you, um, I'd love your input as we go through this series, and not just this series, but gold nuggets through the Gospels and gold nuggets through the Old Testament. uh, Share with me those passages of Scripture that have been most meaningful to you. As we kind of walk through this series, we started in Romans chapter 4 with the God of all hope. From 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we looked at running to win. Last week from 2 Timothy chapter 1, that passionate faith. And today from Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, uh, and a very appropriate passage of scripture as we find ourselves in the middle of harvest season. Uh, physically speaking, as we look around and the harvest is taking place and farmers are working diligently to get those crops in. Uh, this is a very appropriate passage for this time of year. And I, I didn't really plan that. I wish I had. I wish I could just tell you that I had and I'm really that smart. But <clears throat> this was just on the schedule. And even last night, Christy and I had the chance to go to the Jeff Moore concert over at uh, First United Methodist. And he was talking about the, just the symbolism of harvest, When you're in this area this time of year and the the planting and the harvest and the way that the Bible constantly uses that analogy uh, is so real for us. I don't know that maybe because you've always lived here, you don't understand what it's like in in other parts of the world, but when you preach about uh, planting and harvesting in the middle of New York City or in the middle of Cleveland or in the middle of Miami, uh, it doesn't get the same effect as it does for us. We understand uh, planting and harvest a little bit more. But before we read this passage, I want to talk to you just a moment about the kindness of God. Um, We are here today because of the kindness and the love of God, okay? We talked about it as we were taking communion together. It's the love of God uh, that he expressed towards us, not because of our deserving it, not because of anything we had done. We were his enemies, And he reached out to us and he gave us the opportunity to come into his kingdom as sons and daughters. That's because of his kindness for us. We did nothing. We planted nothing. We sowed nothing in order to reap that spiritual benefit. I mean, yes, we have to call on the name of Jesus and we have to put our faith in him, but we did nothing for God to do this. Okay? That was all on him. And the thing about God is he is kind to the unkind. He constantly showers the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, okay? That's because that's who he is. And even as a parent, we kind of understand that. Even when our children are rebellious, there's this desire in us to still love on them and to, to give to them and to, to, to bail them out of trouble even for the umpteenth time uh, because of, of the love that we have for them. And our love is so imperfect. His love is so much more perfect. <clears throat> His kindness, however, in Romans chapter 2, we're taught that the kindness of God... Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient he is with you? Does this mean nothing? Can't you see that the kindness of God is intended to turn you from your sin? Okay, the kindness of God is meant to bring us to repentance. That's the reason that he extends kindness to us. But when we reject that kindness, not that we reject receiving it, but when we reject understanding it and applying it to our lives, we store up judgment against him, against ourselves. Okay? Psalm 103 reminds us that he revealed his character to Moses. Remember on the, <clears throat> the mountain when Moses wanted to see his face? God revealed his character to Moses. The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. That's for, straight from the mouth of God to Moses. That's how he described himself to Moses on Mount Sinai slow to get angry, compassionate and merciful. He does not constantly accuse us. He does not remain angry with us forever. He does not punish us for all our sins, and He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So here's the problem. When we take the kindness of God, we, we can take it on ourselves, and we can be deceived by it. We can be misled by the kindness of God. Meaning when we sin and we don't see immediate consequence, we can think, oh, you know, that's just the grace and kindness of God. And, and it is. Or when we get a benefit that we didn't plant or we didn't sow, we did nothing to get it like salvation. It just freely comes into our lives. We did nothing to, do to deserve that in any way, shape, or form. We can take that for granted and misinterpret the law of harvesting, and planting that we're going to talk about today. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, you'll see um, what I'm talking about. Verse 6 says this, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Father, give us understanding. As we study your word together and show us, Holy Spirit, how to apply it to our lives, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the danger of going through a a series like this on the golden nuggets is we as believers sometimes have a tendency to take a golden nugget out of context, okay? We take a passage of scripture and we pull it from the Bible and we use it however we want to in our lives without looking first at the context, without looking at what the author intended this verse to mean. I mean, the Word of God does have universal application to our lives, but we have to be careful that we leave it in context to get the understanding of the truth, and then we can apply it to other areas of our lives. Does that make sense? Too many times we pull stuff out and we, we claim it as a promise of God, but if we looked at it in context, we'd realize that's not what God's promising at all. And so we want to be careful, because in this passage of Scripture, verse 6 and verse 10 are the same thing. And as we look at this passage, you're gonna see that both of those are saying the same thing. And packed in the middle of these two verses is a universal truth. And what the apostle Paul is doing is he's taking this universal truth and he's applying it to this verse six and verse 10. Now, we're gonna look at it in context and then we're gonna pull it out and we're gonna see how it fits in the rest of our lives because it does, that's the thing about scripture. It does have universal application as long as you don't change the meaning of it. Okay, hopefully you're still with me. There is a law of sowing and reaping, a law of planting and harvesting. He begins in verse 6 by giving us a precept. And what a precept is, is a guideline for the church. This is what Paul says. He says, the teacher or whoever's sharing with you the word of God is sharing spiritual treasure with you. As a result, you should share material treasure with that person. okay. Now, Paul did not want money to be a stumbling block in his ministry. So the apostle Paul worked outside of his ministry because he never wanted anyone to say, well, you're only doing it for the money, okay? He wanted to make sure he could support himself outside of ministry so that there was no way that people could use that as a stumbling block. He tells us that in 1 Corinthians 9, but he also tells us in Philippians chapter 4, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help. What did they give him? Financial help. So the Apostle Paul, sometimes we mistakenly say, he never took money from the church. Wrong. He allowed them to give to him. In fact, he goes on in Philippians chapter four to talk about why he allowed them to give to him. He allowed them to give him financial help for their benefit. It wasn't for his benefit. He worked hard. He he supplied his own way. And he found a way to make it in his life, whether he had plenty or whether he had little. It didn't matter to him. He, tried, he made a way God supplied for his need. But he understood that when God moves upon the hearts of people and they give, you receive it for their benefit, not just for yours. There are times when we go to Africa as ministers, and it was, it was crazy when we were there. And the, the Africans want to give you their best. And as a rich American, I'm sitting there thinking, you don't need to give me anything. In fact, just seeing the way you worship and your passionate faith is more encouragement to me than ever. But when they give you something that you know is a huge sacrifice for them, to say no to that, one, culturally, would be just like a slap in the face. But two, it robs them of the spiritual blessing. If God is moving on their heart to do something, you receive it. And sometimes we don't like to receive from other people. Some people want to help us or or give us something and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Shush. And receive it. At least let them get blessed. If you don't want it for yourself, then pass it on and give it to someone else. But don't rob them from being able to, to be blessed because they want to give to you and because the Lord's moving on their heart. It's not spiritual to deny someone the ability to bless you. Okay? Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul reminds the church that elders in the church should be paid. They should be paid well. Jesus taught it in Luke chapter 10, verse 7. He told the apostles, When you go into homes, stay there, accept their hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. Okay, this is sometimes an erroneous mindset in the church that you know we need to keep people in poverty in order to, to, to help them understand. The, the worker deserves their pay. So the, the thing that Paul, the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us is what we do with our material blessings show the value we place on the spiritual blessing. Understand what I'm saying? So when he says someone is teaching you spiritual truth, show them how much it's of value to you by giving to them. Now that, please do not misunderstand me. We are not taking an offering from me at the end of the service today, okay? This is not a pastor appreciation sermon. And I promise you, if you stay with me by the end, you're gonna gonna understand this. But you've gotta understand the value we place on it. We don't think twice about dropping 50 to 100 dollars for a concert or a sporting event. Okay? We don't. But the minute someone says, hey, let's go to this conference and hear this teacher and the cost is $20. People are like, $20? Charlatans charging for the kingdom of God. <laughs> isn't that what we do? And it shows where we, what we value. And money is one way that we show our value. Our time is another one. Okay? So this just isn't about money. This is just saying, take the, the, the physical stuff that we have and we give it into spiritual pursuit. It shows the value we actually place on that spiritual pursuit. There's a spiritual principle that Paul is gonna give us in verses seven, eight, and nine here in a minute, but I wanna skip down to verse 10, and I wanna look at verse 10 because this, this kind of takes it a little even further. Uh, I left off Acts 20, verse 35. This is from, again, the apostle Paul teaching us from the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give uh, than to receive. And so this idea of low value on spiritual things is very applicable to the American church. We place high value on our stuff and on our entertainment, but we place low value on our spiritual things, okay? And we are not gonna be able to receive wealth from the kingdom of God if we do not value the things that he's gonna give to us and offer to us. So in verse number 10, he says this, therefore, at the end of it, Therefore, wherever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. That word to do good can mean to be generous or to share with everyone. And in the context of what he's saying, if you look at verse 6, you look at sowing and reaping, you look at verse 10, this is what the Apostle Paul's saying. Don't just share with the people that are teaching you, share with everyone. Be generous to everyone. Be generous. Share good things with them. Say, well, but I I worked hard, and I earned, and I deserve, and, huh? Everything I have comes from Him. Doesn't matter if I worked hard, and, I mean, He's the one that keeps the law of sowing and reaping in practice, okay? It's ultimately the kindness of God at work in my life, not just the law of sowing and reaping. So, we don't ask the question, you know, does this person deserve my generosity, well, that doesn't matter because I didn't deserve his and he gave it lavishly. Look at this table. This is, the, this is the love of God expressed to us and not one of us deserved it. And he held nothing back. It proved the value. Okay? We don't ask the question, uh, who is my neighbor? Just like the, you remember the, the rich man, the lawyer that came to Jesus and said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him a story, everybody's your neighbor. You don't ask the question, who's my neighbor? You say, who can be my neighbor? Or who should I be a neighbor to, is what we're looking for. If you remember the story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan, remember what it cost him? It was about money, too. I mean, to be a good neighbor, what did he have to do? He had to bandage this guy's wounds, yep, but he had to put money down at the motel, Hey, take care of this guy's needs, and if there's any more that's due, I'll take care of it when I come back. There was a financial obligation to help this good Samaritan to be a good neighbor, and that's what the Apostle Paul's saying here. This is what marked the early church. Go back and read Acts chapter 2. When they received salvation, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was this overwhelming generosity to share everything. That's what the Scripture literally says. They shared everything. They gave to anyone that had a need. They sold possessions and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was no longer mine, yours, it was his. And they were free to do whatever they wanted with it, okay? Mark those, those words. Ananias and Sapphira sold it, they lied about it, they brought the money, and they dropped dead because they lied. And Peter said, it was yours to do with what you chose. This is not a law to get into heaven. This is just a law to, re- to reap spiritually, Okay, what value you place on spiritual things will determine what you reap spiritually. And so that the possessions are yours to do with as you want. Please don't walk away feeling guilty today because you have possessions. You know, I struggled with this for, for a little while because it felt like for a little while in my life I was getting everything I wanted and I'm like, God, I want to, please stop. I feel like I'm, I don't, I, I, I did. I literally felt like I was just getting too much stuff. And I, don't, I didn't want it anymore. And I wrestled through that. But here's the thing. Don't, it's not about the stuff. It's just making sure that the value we place on spiritual stuff is always more important than the value we place on anything material. And that's what the apostle Paul is trying to teach them. If you want to receive spiritually, well, here's a law. And I'm going to show it to you. We know, let me just cover these scriptures too. We know that there are those in the world that do evil. Everyone say amen to that? The Lord turns his face against those who do evil. There they are. In verse 35, or Psalm 35, 12, they repay evil for good. There are even people in our world that will take good things you do to them and they'll return evil to you. That's just how the world operates. That's the sinful nature. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaches us that the majority of our world does this. They return good for good and evil for evil. And he says there's no really reward for that. I mean, because that's just what people do. Most people, when you do good to them, they'll do good to you. But if you turn on them, they'll turn on you. Okay, that's just the law of human nature. But for us, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. But you conquer evil by doing good. That's the standard that we're called to live by. So whenever we have the opportunity, and it it doesn't say just take opportunities as they come. It even tells us to, more so than that, take opportunities to do good to others, to be generous to others, to share with others. And don't just do it based on a merit system. Do it based upon the value placed on them by him. And that's the value placed on them. And in the middle of these two verses, the Apostle Paul is telling us, here's the law that I get this from. I'm telling you these principles about how you should share, how you should give your possessions, and how these apply to this. But here's the law. So verse 6, verse 10 are the principles. Verse 7, 8, and 9, this is the law. This is the judgment of God. This is something that he's put down. You will always harvest what you plant. Guaranteed, set in stone, gonna happen. Okay, that's a law. A farmer who goes out in the spring and plants corn can expect to harvest corn in the fall. That's a law. Thank goodness that's a law. I mean, if you planted corn and then you went out in the fall and it was cabbage, wouldn't that be random? I mean, you'd be like, or if you planted something and nothing ever grew. I mean, it would be like, it'd be like rolling the dice and you just, you, it would be chaotic. We wouldn't know what to do. I don't know what kind of crop's gonna come in. I mean, there would be randomness in our world. And so God has established the law of planting and harvesting. We are warned to be careful where we plant. That's what he goes on to say. If you plant according to the flesh, you will reap a harvest of corruption and decay. Now what he's saying here is if you take your money and you, you sow it or you plant it according to the flesh, fleshly things, it doesn't necessarily mean sinful things. You spend it on new possessions. You spend it on yourself. You spend it on going to a game. And none of these things are bad. But here's what you're going to harvest from that. Decay. Okay? No matter what you buy, it's going to decay. No matter what you spend it on, it's gone. Okay? Electronics break. Cars break down. Houses decay. I mean, everything decays. And so, when you spend it on, on fleshly stuff, you get no harvest for that. That's what he's saying. It's gone. It's used up. You can't do it again. But if you use it to bless others. If you use that money to invest in others, you get rewarded for that. There is a harvest of life that comes from that. Now, again, this is a universal truth that we can apply to more than just the money that that the Apostle Paul is applying it to here. And we're gonna get to that in just a second. But this is what Paul is saying in this passage. Jesus teaches the same thing. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths will eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Now, Jesus does not say, if you have treasure on earth, you will not be allowed to go to heaven. Okay? But what he's saying is, here's a choice. I'm just telling you which is the better way. I mean, you can either get all of your treasure here or you can invest it over here, and I promise you, you're gonna get more for this investment. Because when you sow to the Spirit, you will reap life. All you will reap over there is the moment. And it's gone. Now some of our, our, some of our money needs to be spent here. We need cars. We need a house to live in. I mean, in North Dakota winter, you can't walk to church or to the store without a vehicle. You need one. And it's got to have heat. Now it's questionable whether it needs air conditioning or not. But it needs heat. <laughs> At least. Okay? And so, don't worry. I crank my air conditioning up too. I love it heaven's going to just be the right temperature, 60 degrees. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) But anyway, now, we can take this truth, knowing what it means, knowing how we understand it, and we can apply it to our lives in a much broader context. The Apostle Paul has written the book of Galatians about the flesh and the spirit. Acts of the flesh, acts of the spirit and how those things operate. And so we can take it out and we can look at how this applies to our lives in a broader context than just money. Because, excuse me, I just need to keep my throat coated or we could just be here for the rest of the day while I have a coughing attack. Um, Everything we do in life is an investment either in the flesh or in the spirit. And some of that will reap not just decay and in the moment, but if we sow to the flesh in a sinful way, we will harvest from that. And that harvest will be eternal separation from God if we let that go long enough. I'm not saying that every time we sin, we're separated from God, but if you continue to deliberately sin, the Bible says, you are walking away from the one who redeemed you. You're trampling on the blood of his son that set you free. You do not understand the sacrifice. You are walking on the kindness of God and you are storing up, we read it in Romans chapter two, the wrath of God against yourself. Okay? Everything we do, we're either sowing to the spirit or we're sowing to the flesh. We will harvest what we plant. The Bible goes on and teaches us we will also harvest in proportion to what we plant. In other words, as a farmer, if I go out and plant one field of a crop, I should not go out in the fall and expect three fields to be harvested. Correct? One field planted, one field harvested. You harvest in proportion to what you plant. So make a choice. You want to harvest more? Plant more. I mean, that just goes without saying. That's the law of sowing and reaping. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, a farmer who plants a few seeds gets a small crop. Nothing wrong with a small crop. But if you want a bigger crop, don't be misled by the kindness of God. Plant. Here's the thing. Sometimes God comes in and, boom, blesses you with something you didn't plant and you didn't deserve at all. Wow, thank you, Jesus. We can be misled into thinking that's how it's always just going to work. He's our sugar daddy. He's just going to come along and he's going to bless us every time. No. There's a law of planting and harvesting. And sometimes in the church, we get lazy because of the kindness of God. And we don't realize, if you want to harvest, start planting. Don't just expect the kindness of God always to swoop in and pick you up. And if you want to harvest more, plant more. And again, it's not just about money, it's about all of it. Plant more. If you want a spiritual harvest, plant more. And here's the thing. Uh, The thing I love about God is sometimes I plant a very little And he comes alongside and does immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. But again, that's the kindness of God. And so in those moments, we need to recognize it and say, God, I am grateful to you for your kindness. Thank you for blessing me more than I deserved. And then we don't get lazy, we keep planting and we keep harvesting that field of blessing. Verse number nine says this. So in light of that, don't get tired of doing what is good. Because just, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Here's the guarantee. It's impossible not to harvest when you plant. It's impossible not to harvest when you plant. In other words, when according to the scripture, you are generous, you are kind, you are good, you are doing what is right in a situation, it is Absolutely impossible. Imposible, if you're Spanish. To not harvest. Impossible. You will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. If you keep planting and planting and planting. Now here's the thing I've learned about harvesting. You don't get to pick the time. Ain't no farmer that goes out in the end of July, and says to his crop, all right, I'm kind of busy in October, so let's get ready for the harvest now, okay? There's a season, and until that season comes, the farmer just keeps working, and working, and working, waiting for the harvest. The farmer, the sower, the laborer, never gets to tell the crop when to be harvested. The Lord of the harvest is in charge of that, Okay, so here's the thing. When you're in a bind, it's not like, okay, I really need a financial breakthrough, so I'm going I'm to plant because I need it by next Thursday. Okay, this is not what the Bible's talking about. This isn't a law of sowing and instant reaping. Okay, this is a lifestyle of sowing and reaping. The Lord of the harvest will be in charge of when the harvest comes, but I guarantee you this, a harvest will come. It is impossible for it not to come. So keep planting, don't get weary, don't give up, keep planting. So the question, as we look at this passage, obviously is, what do we want to harvest? What do I want to harvest? So what do I need to plant in order to harvest that? What kind of value am I placing on spiritual things? Or am I putting my value too much in fleshly things? I mean, if I want to reap a spiritual harvest, I can't just sow to the flesh. I'm not going to reap a spiritual harvest by sowing to the flesh. Just like a farmer cannot expect to get soybeans if he plants corn. You wouldn't expect it out there. You're not going to get it in here either. We will harvest what we plant. So what should we individually, what should we corporately be doing if we want to harvest? If you want to be physically fit, Television and potato chips are not on your regimen, right? You're not going to harvest physical fitness from planting yourself in front of the television with a bag of chips. It's the same spiritually. You want to reap a harvest. What do you What do you need to start planting? I mean, too many times people will come and say, Pastor, pray for me for this and pray for me for that and pray for me for this. And the Spirit, you know, and here's the thing I will always pray for you. Please do never feel like you should come and ask me for prayer. It's not what I'm trying to say. Because here's the thing God is kind. And, you know, especially when you come to Him and say, God, I should have been planting better than I have and I am in a mess. Would you help? He loves that. I mean, He loves to help. But here's what he wants us to learn as his children, as you would want your children to learn. There's a law of planting and harvesting. If you continually show up for work late, you will harvest fired. <laughs> That's what we teach our children. But yet, here's the thing. Spiritually, it's like, well, you know, I don't mind sitting through a three-hour movie or a three-hour football game, and I love it when it goes into overtime, but God forbid the church service go a little long. Or I can't, even, I can't keep my attention on what the pastor's saying, so i got to play with my phone a little bit. You want to reap a spiritual harvest, you've got to plant something. And it's not a question of whether you're going to go to heaven or not. It's a question of whether or not you're going to harvest anything. And too many times in the church we keep saying, I wish I could harvest, I wish I had this, I wish I had harvest. And God's like, plant something. Plant yourself in Sunday school class on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I guarantee you to go hunting. Getting up at 4 in the morning isn't too hard. So why on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock is it too hard to crawl out of bed? Because there's a war going on. The enemy doesn't care if you get up at 4 a.m. to hunt. But he doesn't want you to sit in Sunday school. Oh, but that's legalism. I didn't say you had to go to Sunday school to get to heaven. I said, you want more harvest? Plant yourself and get some teaching. You want harvest? Start reading Christian books instead of reading romance novels. You want harvest, stop watching TV and spend your time in the word. You want harvest, what are you planting to get that harvest? Mark Batterson, in his book, I don't even know what it's called, The Grave Robber, he just wrote it, The Grave Robber is what it's called, but here's, I just read this a few weeks back. Some miracles take sweat equity. Your effort doesn't make them happen, but your lack of effort can keep them from happening. In the words of Dallas Willard, grace is not opposed to effort, It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. You cannot earn a miracle, but effort is part of the equation. That's some truth. Look at the people that had to come to Jesus and had to push past the crowd. They had to have effort. They didn't earn it, but effort was applied. Effort was needed. We cannot expect to harvest answered prayer if we're not planting prayer, right? We can't expect to harvest financial blessing in our lives if we're not tithing, if we're not generous, if we're not giving. Again, it's not a dollar for dollar across the board, and you can write your tithe check every month and every month and every month and be faithful and on time and still not be generous, okay? So it's not just that. It's cultivating generosity. That's what the Apostle Paul said here. We want to harvest obedient children who walk in the fear of the Lord. What are we planting? What are we planting? You know, it's time to stop blaming society and it's time to stop blaming everyone else and just take a little look at what we're planting. What are we planting with our conversation? What are we planting with our priorities, with our lifestyle? We want a different harvest? Let's change what we're planting. We want to have a growing and a thriving church with vibrant ministries. Well, what are we planting? I mean, I'm grateful that God at times just moves sovereignly and, and does stuff and the church just grows. But as you look at the church in the book of Acts, they didn't just wait for the next wave of the Spirit. They got to work. They started serving one another. They started putting together teams to minister to the widows and the orphans. I mean, we want to have a great children's ministry, but ain't nobody want to teach them. It's not just going to happen because we pray, there's got to be sweat equity in it, too. And here's the thing, it's not just showing up and standing in a class in front of kids and, you know, hoping that the sermon isn't real long so you can get done. It's pouring yourself into that class in preparation. I mean, we want to reap a harvest of blessing, but we don't want to plant much. That's the American church. I'm just as guilty as everyone else in the American church. I've wanted to reap a harvest that I didn't plant. And I'm not going to wait around for the kindness of God to bail me out every time. I'm going to still love the kindness of God. I'm going to still call on the kindness of God. God, could you please make up? I mean, I'm just doing my meager effort. This is what I can do. I'm doing it. God, would you be faithful? Would you do more? Would you do abundantly above all that I could ask or imagine And hurry? I still pray like you do, okay? That's what we do. But we have to start planting if we want to reap a harvest. If we hunger for God, if we hunger for the gift of the Spirit to operate in our lives, it's not going to come by sowing television and sowing entertainment into our lives. It's going to come when we set ourselves apart and we prove by value how much this means to us. And we're not earning it, but our effort needs to be applied. And that's the difference. What are we going to What are we going to reap? What are we going to harvest if we sow complaining and grumbling? What are we going to harvest if we plant criticism and put down? Not what we want to harvest. If you don't like what's being harvested right now in your life, change what you're planting. If you want more harvest, start planting more. And you'll reap a harvest of blessing. And here's the thing I promise you. God will not only just meet us halfway on this thing, he will meet us all the way on this thing. And you you start planting in your life and being faithful to him, and I promise you, he will overwhelm you. He's not looking for us to say, okay, when you get to a certain level, he's just looking for a reason to be kind. But at the same time, he's not gonna continue to be kind to us if we're misusing his kindness. If that kindness is causing us to be lazy and apathetic, he's not gonna keep pouring that out on us. I mean, at some point, even the parent of the, the spoiled child realizes they're not helping anymore. And they cut him off a little bit. And so he's not going to keep pouring into our lives kindness unless he realizes we recognize it's his kindness and we keep planting and harvesting. The law of planting and harvesting. Do not be misled. God will not be mocked. That word mock literally means to put your nose up in the air at him that's what he do, that's what we do when we misuse this law so what do you want to harvest? what do you want to reap as we get ready to close today um, I want us to close in this way I'm going to invite those of you that want to come and be prayed for uh, we want to pray for you if you're here and if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as savior um, you've never surrendered to him as Lord. We want to explain that more to you, and we want to pray with you. We want to take the time to do that. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. If maybe you've recognized that you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, maybe you've never been all in. Maybe church for you has just been show up on Sunday and, you know, read a couple Bible passages when you have time, and you've never fully committed your life to the Lord. Today may be that day to do that. We want to pray for you. Maybe you're here and you just say, you know, I recognize the Holy Spirit has put his hand on some things, puts his finger on some things. Please do not leave here feeling guilty or condemned. That's not what the Spirit comes for. But he's going to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. And if he's put his finger on some things in your life and said, you know, you've been saying you want this harvest, well, here's what you need to plant. Would you just embrace that? I promise you this, sometimes our flesh fights against that. But can I remind you that God loves us and any discipline he offers us or anything challenging he asks us to do, I promise you at the end of the day when you look back, you will be glad you did. You will never look back on this side of the harvest and say, oh, I wish I would have kept on holding on to that thing. That's how great he is. And so I want to invite you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I'm going to invite our pastoral team to come And uh, they're going to be here in the front. And if you're here and you want to be prayed for, we want to take that opportunity to pray for you in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come. And uh, anyone else, if you want to take time around these altars to pray, these altars are open to you. And uh, I want to encourage you to take a moment before you leave to spend some time with the Lord. Allow him to saturate this word into your heart and to show you how he wants you to apply it. And so, Father, thank you today, God, that you are constant, that you don't change, and that this law of harvesting and planting does not change. God, it's, it's, it's consistent, it's faithful. It is impossible for us to plant and not harvest. God, it is, I thank you today for your kindness that you at times give us things that we never planted. We get to harvest things that we didn't plant. We get to harvest more than what we planted. God, your kindness to us, we are grateful for today and we say thank you. Lord, help us not to be misled by your kindness. Help us not to to mock your justice, but to continue to be faithful, to not get weary in doing what is good. God, it can be weary waiting for that harvest to come and continuing to be faithful and not seeing the results that we wanna see. But God, give us that, that urgency, that strength of spirit that we need to be steadfast, to be immovable. God, to continue to plant, knowing that we will reap a harvest. You will give us a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. God, help us to surrender to you completely as Lord of the harvest. You are in charge of timing. God, help us not to try to manipulate our circumstances to bring about a quicker harvest, but to trust in you. God, to know that you will bring it about in your time. And so, Father, help us to apply this word to our lives today. I pray it in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you want prayer, before we dismiss, would you come? Would you meet me here in the front? Whether you have never accepted the Lord as your Savior and you want to do that today, you want to recommit yourself to Him, or you just need prayer for direction or help, you need prayer for healing and did not come earlier, uh, please just come and we want to pray with you this morning. For everyone else, um, we want to dismiss you if you need to be dismissed. Again, the altars are open to you if you want to spend some time in prayer. And uh, we encourage you to do that before you go. But God bless you as you go this morning.